0: This is The Kevin Simpson Show, expert insight and analysis from the industry's top investment professionals. If you'd like a deeper understanding of today's markets, this is the show for you.
1: Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Kevin Simpson Show. My guest today is Lenore Hawkins, the chief macro strategist of Tematica Research. And as always, my co-host, Jay Coulter. Lenore, we've seen you on national media like Fox Business, We've seen you all over the internet. I've even seen you on Jay's show many times over the years. You're always in a different part of the world. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> where, where are you today?
2: So today I am back in Italy. Uh, got here a little over a week ago. and was in Ireland before that uh, for about a week. And then before that was back in the US. So it's been interesting to see how how different each country is as we kind of work our way through this process.
1: I um I don't, I don't leave a three mile radius. I know we don't know each other that well. So <laughs> I did go to the supermarket yesterday and, um, earlier I, I, I got gas.
2: Gets you move. Gets you move.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, a great follow-up question there is actually Lenore. I just know because of our relationship, you've been all over the world in the last 14 days. What has yeah. that been like? And, and where have you been?
2: Yeah, t- travel has been—it's—it's it's really complicated. You know, the—it's pretty funny the amount of paperwork required every time you show up to the airport and all the testing that you have to—to to have done. My nose has been violated a lot, um, but it is—it's—it's it's interesting just how relaxed the U.S. is relative to the rest of the world. But I mean, great thing to see is—is is how quickly vaccinations are going. So that's. But it, it's um, it's definitely a very different world outside of the U.S. The economy outside of the U.S. is moving at a much slower pace. There's a lot more headwinds to growth outside of the U.S.
1: How does that compare from six months ago?
2: I think this, the, the U.S. has been... Um, one of the great things about, I think, the, the U.S. culture is... It pushes back on on any kind of restrictions, and the unbelievable part of American business is it finds opportunity no matter how ugly things get. It will find opportunity where you have, particularly in Europe, because there's so much red tape, and because people have been dealing with red tape for so long, people tend to give up a little bit more quickly. And it's no knocking them. It's not. It, it's not a, a lack of. Of energy. There's no laziness involved in it at all. It's just the hurdles to climb are so massive. And I think the U.S. has been a lot more reasonable with the cost of any kind of a lockdown to the economy versus what you see in Europe, particularly in Italy. I mean, Italy has just been ridiculous with open, close, open, close. I mean, how can you possibly run a restaurant when you're told you can open and then four or five days later, oh, we're closing you again. I mean, what happens to all your inventory and hiring people and getting things moving again? It's just not something you could turn on and off. I think what I'm seeing in the US is a much stronger recovery than you're seeing elsewhere. Part of that one is that the US is doing such a fantastic job with rolling out these vaccines. The other part of it though is that the U.S. never really did such a tight lockdown. And this has you know, nothing to do with any kind of a, I mean, we all want people to be safe and healthy, um, but the U.S. did not have to kick so, so much going again, whereas you've seen such a slowdown in much of Europe. So Europe is, to get that started again, is is taking a bit more. And you also have so much more complexity because of all the different layers of Government, right within the United States, you just have the federal and then the state, and they actually work pretty well together. In Europe, it's a lot more complicated because you have this integration with monetary policy, which really means an integration kind of with your debt, right? Because those things are very tied. And you have so many layers of government that, and that's one of the things that we're seeing with rolling out vaccines. It's just, everybody's got to talk about it and have an opinion. And how do we roll it out and who gets it first? And there's all this discussion. Whereas in the U.S., there's there's much more just taking action. And right now that's what you need.
0: Lenore, is it safe to say that's what's really driven the market back up to new all-time highs Mm -hmm. as we record this here at the beginning of April?
2: I think there's definitely a lot of optimism, but there's also so much liquidity out there. I mean, we've never seen the government dump so much cash on the economy. And then there is the anticipation that even more is to come. And- what are people going to do? You know, It's not like you're going out for dinner. So <laughs> a lot of that money's gone into the stock market. We're seeing bubbles in asset prices all over the place from housing to the stock market. Um, I think there's an awful lot of enthusiasm. There's an awful lot of priced to perfection in there. And it seems any kind of bad news means you're going to get government support. So yay. Good news means the economy is getting stronger. So yay. It's kind of a Teflon market.
0: Well, Kevin, as someone who builds portfolios here domestically, what what do you think has driven this market to all-time highs?
1: Well, I agree with Lenore. I mean, if we think about the pent-up demand and the enthusiasm for the American consumer, it's going to be something like we've probably not seen since World War II. The the idea that we're excited to go to a restaurant or a movie theater is – is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, think about baseball games and cruises and travel. It's uh, it, it, it's something that is is just so pent up and so massive that it just will force the stock market to continue to go higher. I mean, our whole thesis, Lenore, is that uh, main street fuels wall street that the economy and 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 the consumer fuels all of this and and to your point just watching the expectation of this spending i mean even for me you know i was joking about the supermarket and the gas station and yes i i have a little bit of a sheltered life over the past year but boy i can't wait to go do some of those things and i'm i'm certain that the second half of this year it's going to be meteoric i,
2: I think We'll, it, it will be interesting to see this this push pull where where it all falls down after say six months because yeah, there'll be this euphoria coming out. And I expect the stock market to continue this kind of meteoric rise through the spring and the summer. But the back half, like more the end of the third quarter, fourth quarter,' be very curious to see once that woohoo we can get out again kind of fades. Because when I look at the employment numbers, there's a lot of reason for for concern. And yes, Friday, we saw an absolute blowout of the jobs number. That was fantastic to see. But the reality is we've got the economy open about 70 plus percent, and we've only recovered about 62 percent of the jobs lost. And then if I look at the income, well, we had actually hourly wages went down 0.1 percent which is not really consistent with the narrative that this economy is accelerating, inflation is a big concern, and people are having to pay up for jobs. You even see headlines on what companies are doing to attract talent, and yet the average hourly earnings went down. And if we were to try and get back to, you know, forget all the jobs that we've lost, but also to get back to trend line from where we were and just to have this whole mess be behind us, we're really looking at needing another like 10 million jobs to get back to where we should be? And what happens when that realization kicks in?
0: So Kevin, what are the implications
1: for people building portfolios
0: today, given that type of outlook, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think the key is a, a, expecting that at some point, to Lenora's point, you're, you're going to pay the piper. Yeah. Getting back to full employment is going to be challenging. And the trajectory is great because when you have unemployment close to 10%, it's it's exciting when we get it back to 6%, which is what we saw on Friday. So, so the, the challenge for us as portfolio managers here domestically is to try to think past the euphoria, past the excitement, the, the wow moments, and think about, okay, now we're into 2022, 23, 24. Not only do we have to pay for this massive stimulus, which was completely needed, Uh, You you had to do everything possible to to, to fight a war and to fight a pandemic, but then you have infrastructure one, potentially infrastructure two, and and paying for that is is easy to talk about because we say, okay, we're going to raise taxes on corporations. That's easy to do. We're going to raise taxes on capital gains. We're going to raise taxes on the wealthy, but you can only tax so much to be able to pay for all of these things, and you start getting concerned about interest rates, So I think from the perspective of domestic equity portfolios, we're focusing on highest quality, highest caliber companies with tremendous cash tranches to be able to support times if we go through uh, volatile setbacks along the way. So I think just sticking with quality as opposed to what we saw before, which was this incredible reopening trade where you could kind of throw darts at anything and, and, and markets would go up. I think you need to be a lot more selective as we move forward, at least into the next two or three years as we process all of this.
0: Yeah, I, I think there are really three byproducts of everything that's happened the last 18 months for financial advisors to think about. And I'd love to get both your opinions on them. So in order, it's going to be inflation, the rise in the 10-year, and then corporate taxes. And Kevin, you just alluded to all three of those. But starting with inflation, so the price of food, gas, education, housing, healthcare is going up. The government is telling us that there's not a lot of inflation. And all of it, as Lenore has said on my show in the past, inflation is always defined by the person who is speaking it. So Lenore, what are the implications globally of the potential for inflation as advisors are building portfolios?
2: I think I think the inflation risks right now are so overstated, which makes the treasury market more attractive than it's been in quite a while. Uh, we keep hearing that this inflation is is running rampant, and yet average hourly earnings and core CPI is running at about a point seven percent annual rate. That's not extremely inflationary to me, and. When I look at how many jobs we still need to bring in to get the to get back to some sort of reasonable level of employment, and you look at the increase in productivity. So there's a lot, you've got this excess labor and you're seeing productivity gains, the likes of which we have not seen in a very long time. Those together are very disinflationary to me. So when I look at the inflation, it's a good time to put a little bit of protection on your portfolio, right? Because we've seen the VIX just crash. And it's, a good time to look at some of those treasuries as a source of security.
1: Kevin, what are your thoughts as it relates to inflation looking forward? Well, I want to play off Lenore's comment because it kind of makes you think that the TINA trade is dead and if not dead, at least potentially heading towards life support, TINA being there is an alternative. So fixed income investors who are forced to buy as a proxy stocks that would pay high dividends, whether that be REITs or telecom or utilities, and if you think about this the source of the treasury market as a as a secure way of actually making some income, you know, you start to, to think differently about um, about the fixed income market. Uh, as far as inflation is concerned, again, that that big exciting trip to the gas station, I did notice the prices were a little bit higher, but that could have a lot to do with the fact that we're heading into summer and that. We're, we're, we're seeing the increase in the price of oil, but still nowhere near $100 a barrel where you start to get scared. And even the extent of the increase in the 10-year treasury going from 1 to 1.75, yes, per- perhaps now it makes sense to put a little money there for, for, for safekeeping, but 1.75 is still pretty darn close to zero. Right, and so- part of
2: that, part of what those prices that we're seeing is trying to get these supply chains back in order. And we're going to have some crazy pricing for a bit there because we have ships all over the world that are not where they need to be. Then we had this lovely event in the Suez Canal. That was fun because we didn't have enough complexity going on. So you're going to have these input prices, raw material prices and shipping prices are going to be elevated for some time, but that's just getting the machinery of the global economy back in working order again. And that, I think we kind of have to discard those a, a little bit um, when, you're, when we're talking about is this inflation or is this this temporary increase in, in prices because things are kind of a bit complicated. And when I look at the US dollar, cause you're asking about that, we're seeing it really, it's holding pretty firm at its 200 day moving average. I think one of the concerns there to keep in mind is for when looking at a portfolio and looking at the, the global perspective is if we do see a strengthening dollar, that's a really tough thing for emerging markets in two ways, because they've got one that that stronger dollar, they've got so much dollar denominated debt. And the, the more that dollar strengthens, the more expensive their debt becomes in their domestic, in terms of their domestic currency. And also it makes the U.S. economy a bit more attractive, right? Because they have to compete more and a stronger dollar makes U.S. investments look better.
0: Let's talk about corporate taxes. So without putting a political lens on it. You know, Janet Yellen came out this week and said she would like to explore the idea of a global corporate tax, you know, ideally to help offset, you know, a rise in corporate taxes here domestically. Mm -hmm. Also, as NPR noted this week, there are companies such as Nike and FedEx that don't pay any corporate taxes. So as a financial advisor or portfolio manager, as you look at the potential for a rise in corporate rates domestically and internationally, Lenore, what do portfolio constructors need to think about?
2: Well, margins aren't going to get better. <laughs> um, not when you're going to be raising the the, the corporate tax rate, which is it's a, a bit complicated for me to wrap my head around because it's, it seems like you're driving with your foot on the brake. Right, we're, we're we're doing all the stimulus spending from the government and then you're going to turn around and take more co- money out of the economy. it's, it's an it's an interesting strategy. Um, I think from a global perspective, it's gonna be very difficult to get everyone to agree on something like that because tax rates are a way that, com- that countries can compete with one another. Um, I was just in Ireland a little bit ago and that's a tiny country, it's a tiny little island. It doesn't have a whole lot to offer other than fairly edu- well-educated population. What it has been able to compete on is its tax code. and that drives everyone else nuts, but it doesn't have a whole lot else to go for. It's such a small little country, but yet it's managed to become a tech hub because of that. Um, I think it's gonna be really tough to push that through. Um, when you look at the composition in, in, on Capitol Hill, it's not clear that there's a good margin to get this pushed through. It's gonna be a difficult conversation to say, yes, give me money for stimulus. And at the same time, I'm gonna then take money out of the
0: economy. Kevin, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, Lenora is the um, is the macro strategist, and that takes second level thinking. That's way above my pay grade. But I I look at it, you know, from a domestic manager and think, yeah, let's absolutely implement global taxation because that that benefits uh, U.S. companies. And in theory and on paper, it sounds terrific. But in an application and actually, you know, making the collections, pa- passing around the collection plate seems a little bit challenging to me. But I don't know that that's a, a macroeconomic opinion. That's, that's a little bit more of a layperson response. Awesome. So let, let's talk about income
0: investing. So Lenore, at Capital Wealth Planning, our focus is on dividend-paying stocks that give us an opportunity to potentially write covered call strategies on it. As that strategy or the strategies at capital wealth planning have become more popular because the search for yield has been a real challenge, as you know for a while yeah. from a global perspective, where do advisors and portfolio managers find yield today?
2: God isn't that the tough question <laughs> Very hard to find <laughs> you've got to look really really deeply and I think though what, back to what you're saying um those companies with really strong balance sheets, because I don't think we're going to get out of this situation with the amount of debt, the amount of corporate debt that's that's been layered on. I think a lot of this, a lot of the money that has been put into the economy that we think is going to get spent, a lot of it has gone to people who are savers already I don't see the retirees going, woohoo, I'm going to increase my spending a ton because they've been hit now twice, right? We had the, the great financial crisis and now this. And even when things start really opening up, there's going to be concern. You're still going to get these headline risks of, you know, are we, are we, are we really good? Is this really going to stick? Um, I think you want to be looking at those companies that have really strong balance sheets and are in areas that we know no matter what these areas really need to grow. For example, digital infrastructure, what's allowing us to do what we're doing today. We know that more and more data is gonna get created and we know more and more of our lives and our interactions are gonna continue to be in the digital world. That also means that we're gonna need cybersecurity, right? Because as more of our lives become digital, that means more opportunity for nefarious characters i think looking at those areas that we know are have strong tailwinds looking at um, when you go to the grocery store now you used to only find milk in the milk section now you have to really hunt to find milk because you've got every other kind oat milk almond milk cashew milk because there's been this real push towards health and wellness and i think What we've just gone through this past year has really accelerated that as well. It's gotten people into much more of a health mindset. That's another one that's got a really strong tailwind. So if you look at these these big trends that are multi-year to decade kinds of trends, and you look at those companies that have a really solid balance sheet, have a good, maybe ideally some reoccurring revenue, that's always a really nice thing to see. Those are places where you're going to be able to get some yield.
0: Kevin, what are your thoughts as we sit here at the start of the second quarter in 2021? Where, where can advisors and portfolio managers find some yield today?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because you listen to Lenore talk about the volatility and the VIX tanking. And, and obviously, we pay very close attention to that from the construct of covered call writing. You know, the higher the volatility, the greater our premiums, the greater yield for, for our investors. And on Friday, it closed at 1733 so here we are, early April, and we're we're looking at this as a 52-week low in volatility, as measured by the VIX on the S&P 500. And you know, I, I was thinking the other day, 17.33. If this had been two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, take your pick, we'd be just ecstatic at a 17.33 VIX in terms of the premiums that we could generate. So as 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 so many things that are are speed bumps along the way we're we're expecting volatility to probably hover in that 20 range spiking up and down we'll be able to harvest that take advantage of it try to generate premiums through covered call writing but it's just such a shocking conversation considering where we were 52 maybe 54 weeks ago thinking about volatility spiking over 80 and then 1733 today i i don't know if it's a testament to just you know phenomenal um, acts by, by the Federal Reserve. I think in large part it is. American companies as well. Lenore's being able to present from a global perspective the difference in how the U.S. handled it versus other countries. And I think at the end of the day, we're, we're an amazingly great place and somewhere that I certainly didn't think we would, we would see as quickly a, a, as we are. And, and for that, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Lenore, our time is up. We really appreciate you coming on the Kevin Simpson Show. To learn more information about capital wealth planning, please visit capitalwealthplanning.com. That is capitalwealthplanning.com.
1: Ireland may be a small country, Jay and Lenore, but it's a wonderfully beautiful place. Phenomenal restaurants, incredible beer, spirits, and a, and a wonderful culture. Hope to, uh, hope to have a chance to get back there soon.
2: This show is sponsored by Capital Wealth Planning, providing covered call solutions for financial advisors. To learn more about their SMAs or ETF, visit CapitalWealthPlanning.com. If you get back to Ireland, you've got to go. So this is, you want the best Irish food. You go to Hoth, which is just outside of Dublin. Hoth is um, like a, a little town kind of north out on a peninsula. You go to the Abbey Tavern and you have their seafood chowder and you just cry. It is the best thing you've ever had. (laughs) And I don't Uh, even like seafood. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. And with a Guinness, of course.
1: Well, that's the, I mean, the seafood, you know, being, being an island, you you think of Irish cuisine as being so bland, but how could it be to your point? I I, I will go there and I, I won't forget that.
2: It is good, yeah. When you when you get a chance to go, uh, drop me a line mm-hmm. and I'll because uh, I'm I'm there. All my family's there. I know that place pretty well. I can give you some ideas of great places to visit.
1: I will that, again. That I've got to get, uh, get to a four mile radius before I can get out of the country. But we're, That's we're one heading. step at a time. Maybe <laughs> you know, like crawl, walk, yeah. run, right?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This message does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase securities through CWP Advisory Services. Investments are not guaranteed and involves risk of loss. The views and opinions expressed in this message are those of investment professionals made at the time this content was recorded, are not necessarily the views and opinions of CWP, and may change in time without notification. For additional information about CWP, visit CWP's or the SEC's website for a copy of our ADV disclosure brochure and Form CRS.